you, Lord, for your freedom. Thank you, Lord, that even though we're undeserving, we're unworthy of your presence, of your power, you're still faithful to pour it out on us. You're still faithful to pour out your love on us. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're going through, no matter if we're on our highest of highs or our lowest of lows, Father God, you still pour out your love. You're still faithful. God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your power. We thank you that even though we are weak, you are strong, Lord. Like we were just singing, Father God, we may be weak, but your spirit, your spirit that you pour out on us, even though we're undeserving, we're unworthy, your spirit is still strong in us. Father God, we thank you for that. God, we love you. As we move on in the service, Father God, I pray that you will continue to move, that you will continue to speak, that you will continue to have your way. Father God, that you would stir up our hearts to expect your presence to fall, that you would stir up our hearts for more than just a service, for more than just an online service. Father God, I pray that you would stir us up for an awakening, stir us up for a revival, Father God. God, I pray that you would have your way. As we move forward in this service, Father God, I pray that you would touch my dad, Pastor Tom, as he brings the word. Father God, I pray that you would use him as a tool for your work. Father God, that it wouldn't be him speaking, but it would be you speaking through him. God, I pray that you would open up our ears to hear exactly what you're trying to get across this morning. Father God, I pray that you would move all across this city, all across this county, all across this nation. And Father God, I pray that you wouldn't stop there. Father God, I pray that this word would move across many nations, Father God. That the awakening you're bringing here would spread across many nations. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, good morning again, Refuge Church family. Um, We're really happy you're tuning in this morning. A couple things I want to talk about here just real briefly before I get into the the word this morning. Um, And I I have this morning, I think, what is an encouraging word, but it's also a challenging word. So um, just get ready for that this morning. Uh, I do want to say we are continuing to work on our live stream, and uh, hopefully it's better today than it has been. Um, we're, We're working hard, so I know that there's still some bugs and glitches that we're working through, but Um, hopefully it's getting better by the week, so just keep tuning in. On that note, uh, I do need to say a gigantic thank you um, to two people in particular and then to a whole other group of you. I realize I just don't know who you all are um, who uh, put together the finances to get our new computer uh, to live stream on Facebook. So if Facebook is looking a little better and sounding a little better today, it's because of you guys. Um, specifically Jennifer Jenkins and Dana Bates. Uh, You guys kind of spearheaded that kind of in two different directions, but then they came together and it was pretty awesome. So so hopefully we're getting better. Thank you to everyone that donated to that. I know there were several people that were in on that, and so I'm very, very much appreciative of that. And uh, so we're able to stream a little bit better on YouTube and Facebook. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, It's... uh, it's been kind of a challenge to get all of this going, and, and I think we're finally starting to get there, so that's awesome. Um, the second thing I just want to remind you, uh, if you want to uh, grab the notes uh, for today's message, you can go to trc3.org, 
and you can download those notes right now. You can get them on uh, Word, uh, a Word format. You can edit those if you want or on PDF. Uh, so you can go do that, trc3.org. Just click on the message notes um, tab there, and you'll get that. And also, if you have kids and you didn't catch it at the beginning of the service, um, thank you to Life Church. Um, we we're able to uh, put up some kids' online services today, and they're really awesome. And so um, I'm a little bit nervous because they may actually be better than what I'm doing here. And so don't look at that if you're an adult. Don't look at that till I'm done here. And then, then, we'll, then you can go look at that. But if you have kids in the house, uh, go to the JGN Kids tab. It's either on the homepage of trc3.org or you can click on the JGN Kids tab on our, our website. And there are two videos, one for younger kids, one for a little bit older kids. Just put that on for them. It's awesome. There's worship in it. There's some great Bible teaching, and um, it's, it's really, really great. So we're, we're happy to be able to start doing that this week, and uh, we anticipate we'll be doing that uh, throughout till we're done with this, whenever this is, hopefully soon. But uh, I also want to let you know uh, just ahead of time, next Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, um, and I think it's not uh, probably outside of your knowledge that this will not be a Resurrection Sunday like any other. Um, and so I know what it is I'm talking about. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it. But what I do know that we're going to do next week, and please hear me right now, we are going to be taking communion together next week. So at some point this week, um, get some grape juice, get some bread. We're not going to get too legalistic about what that looks like this week because of everything that's going on. But um, we're going to be taking communion together next week during the service. And, and I think that's going to be a, a powerful time. So uh, taking communion all throughout the community. I know there are some people that are tuning in from California and people that are checking in from all over the place. And so we could be taking communion all over the United States by next week. And that's, that's going to be powerful and awesome. So just be prepared for that in your house. Uh, get your juice, get your crackers, whatever it is that you have available there. Um, if you're on quarantine, use whatever you have available there. I think God will understand. So so we'll be doing that next week. Um, with all that in mind, I want to get ready to get into the Word this morning. We've been talking about advancing through adversity. And um, today, the first two messages have, have kind of been... Um, uh, what do we say, a little more encouraging. I think today's message is also going to be encouraging, but I also feel like I, I have, um, I feel like I got a, a real true, true word from God this morning. And uh, and so some of it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. Some of it I feel like I'm probably going to make some people mad this morning. But um, when God called me to the ministry, he called me and said, I need you to say what I tell you to say. And so that's what I'm doing this morning. And so I think it'll be an encouragement, but it's also a challenge to us today. And so if you, if you have your Bibles, um, if you don't have your Bibles, jump up off the couch, get up out of your bed, go grab your Bible, come back, get on your app, your tablet, whatever, and go to Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 23 to 25. Now, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, we usually talk about these verses in context of coming together in church. You know, you will talk about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Well, right now we're assembling ourselves in, in the best way that we know how to assemble ourselves. So uh, we're not really going to focus so much on that today, although we will a little bit. But I kind of want to talk around that a little bit and some things in my personal studies that God kind of brought out to me, especially in the last three weeks or so with everything that's been going on. So while you're turning to Hebrews 10, verse 23 to 25, 
I want to give you my bottom line. And uh, if you're in your notes there, the bottom line for this series has been this. Keep Jesus in view. In fact, say that out loud. Keep Jesus in view and you will get through. Keep Jesus in view and you will get through. So, no matter what's going on in our life, and we've talked about this, so I'm not going to key in too much on this again, but in the midst of everything that's going on, and I realize, as I've said in previous messages, that what's going on with the virus and the quarantines and all of that, that's not the only thing that's going on in our lives. I know that there's people that are dealing with cancer, and there's people that are dealing with uh, job loss, and, and it may or may not be connected to the virus. And, and you may have noticed David in this morning, he's, he's wearing his mask. He's not doing that for whatever reasons, just let you know he's doing that because he has to because of his job. And so there, there are all these different things going on that are out of the normal, out of the ordinary. And, and those things all can press in and press in and press in on us. And, and when that happens, it presses Jesus out of our view. And, and I realize we've already talked about this, but I know that not everybody's been here. And so those things press Jesus out of view, and we get our mind and our focus so much on all the other things that are going on that we begin to get overwhelmed with the circumstances and overwhelmed with the troubles that we're going through. And so that's why my bottom line for this whole thing is no matter what's going on in your life, keep Jesus in view, and you will get through. As long as we've got him in view, we're going to be all right. So let's jump into Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 23 to 25, it says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. And let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of good love, or excuse me, acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I, it seems like, and it could just be a matter of the circumstances we're in, but it sure does seem like the day of his coming uh, feels more near than it ever has before. And in light of that, there are some things that we need to be paying attention to, and that's kind of what I want to talk a little bit about today. So advancing through adversity, how do we advance through these times? Number one, if you're in your notes, is this. We need to possess your hope. You need to possess your hope. Now, in verse 23 there, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So, in the original language, uh, the Greek language that Hebrews was written in, that, that word, the, the words hold fast is actually just one word in Greek. And that word is this. It's the word katecho. And that word means this. It means to hold fast, to keep secure, or this is, this is what I want to key in on, to keep firm possession of. You need to possess your hope this morning, church. Because, as I was saying, all of the things that are happening around us and swirling around us right now can cause us, if we're not careful, to begin to lose grip on the hope that we say that we have. And, and, I, and I know that there are some different perspectives on this, but in the Scripture, there are certain things that God does. There are certain things that he says, this is what I'm going to do. He said, this is my promise. I'm going to do this, this, and this. But in the scripture, there are also things that we are told that we need to do. 
And, and a lot of times we, we kind of have a cop-out in the church a little bit. We say, well, if God wants to do what God's going to do, God's going to do what he's going to do, and it doesn't matter what I do. And that's absolutely untrue. Because in this scripture right here, we, we are told through the writer of Hebrews that we are to keep possession of our hope. Look at what it says there. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering. So that puts, that puts the, the impetus on us that we maintain the hope that we say that we have. And so when we, look at our, when we look at everything that's going on around us right now, again, that pushes us out. It pushes us away from our hope. And so much more now do we need to hold on to our hope, which is not built on any circumstance, anything that's going on in the world around us, but is built, as we talked about last week, on the firm trust and hope that we have in Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. Now, now here in your notes, it says this, we must take firm possession of our hope and never let it go. So here's, here's where I'm probably going to get myself in trouble. Now, let me say this. Message me personally or uh, comment to me personally right now if you don't like what I'm about to say because we have some amazing people that are manning the comments right now and you don't need to be getting on them. You can get on me if you don't like what I'm about to say. But here's the thing. Where are we as a church where is our hope? Because what, what bothers me right now, and this is the truth whether we want to admit it or not, and I think, I think there is some repentance that is necessary in the church, is that we have placed our hope in Donald Trump. And we have placed our hope in Chuck and Nancy. And we've placed our hope in a stimulus package. And we've placed our hope in the government. And we've placed our hope in the city hall and in, in the, the governor of Oregon. And we've placed our hope. When is the check coming? When is the check coming? Are they going to send me money? Are they going to take care of me? Are they going to do for me? And, and if that comes, that's all fine and good. But we have in the church, we've so, and, and this is a tough word I realize, but we have so incestuously in the church connected ourselves to the Republicans and to the Democrats that we don't even realize that we can have a hope outside of what it is we perceive to be the most important thing. And so we think if we don't get the right person on our side elected, that God can't work anymore. We think if we can't gather together in a place all together that somehow we are being persecuted and we cannot preach the gospel, and yet here I stand preaching the gospel probably to five or six times more people today and this week than I ever would have if we would have just been in here gathered in our church. The government is not stopping us, and the government is not our hope. The government is not our hope. And, and we get so caught up in this cycle of who is it that's been elected? Who is it that's calling the shots? Who is it that's sending me my check? Who is it that's taking care of me that we don't even realize that we can function as the body of Christ outside of anything else except our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified? Paul said, if I live, I live for him. If I die, I die for him. But whether I live or die, I live or die to Jesus Christ. And my question this morning is, are we as a church, are we as a body, are we so connected to our hope and holding so tightly to our hope in Jesus Christ that no matter what happens, whatever else is going on, if we get a stimulus check, good. If we don't, just as good, because God will provide for us. Do you believe that this morning? Or is it lip service? Because I believe in the church. You know, and if you're a part of the Refuge Church, we've been talking about this stuff for, for years now. 
saying there's coming a time when it's not going to be so neat and it's not going to be so pretty and it's not going to be so easy to serve God or to, to walk as the body of Christ. And it's not just going to be this, th- th- there's no persecution, there's no struggle, there's no trial, there's no tribulation. Look at me, church, those days, if you have not caught on to this yet, those days are quickly passing us by. I believe strongly that we have entered into the birth pains of Matthew chapter 24. Now, I'm not saying that we're in the tribulation of Matthew 24 because that's a different thing. But he talks about the birth pains. And he says, in the time leading up to the return of Christ, there will be famines and there will be pestilence. There will be, there will be earthquakes in various places. And you say, well, there's always been famine. There's always been pestilence. There's always been earthquakes. But if you look at Luke chapter 21, you'll find out that it says this. When you see all of these things happening, then look up because your redemption draws nigh. And when we look around the world today, we don't, we're not seeing things that are just localized to a certain area of the world. With this coronavirus thing, this is not just a localized thing here or localized there. This is a worldwide pandemic, and we have to understand that when these things happen, we need to look up. We need to place our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ and him alone because he will be the only way that we make it through. And so we have to understand this morning, we have to possess our hope. We have to possess our hope. We have to hold on to Christ no matter what it is that's going on around us. This week I was listening to a podcast when I was out running and and there was an individual, he's a pastor, and he was talking about a particular time that he went through in his life. And, And he said, there was a point in my life when I was so depressed and I was so discouraged that even, he said, I, I had a notebook and I would write down scripture and I would memorize scripture. And he said, I would put that in my pocket and I would carry it around that with me. But he said, the scripture wasn't touching my problem. And when he said that, it really jumped out at me because I thought, well, that's kind of an odd way. And, and I, think, I think that really might strike a chord with a lot of people because we think, well, when things are going wrong or we're going through a trial, we know what the scripture says, but it doesn't seem like the scripture is really really working in our life. But the interesting thing that he said as he went through, as he said, where God really got me and brought me back from my depression and my discouragement, was he said, I opened up to the book of of, uh, uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, and he said, I began to read the story of the crucifixion and the arrest of Christ. And I'm actually going to talk a little bit more in depth about this next week, because this was where I was already headed, which was amazing. And he said, I looked at Jesus in the garden. And what he did was he started explaining this story in the Bible. And he started explaining how, how Jesus prayed and how he got alone and how he was trusted people. And he did all of these things. And he said, when I read that, he said, it brought me out and it brought me back into my hope. And it brought me back into to my encouragement. And I thought to myself, just a second ago, you said the scripture wasn't touching your problem. But on the flip side of that, you said it was a scripture that, that came out to you, that, that spoke to you, that brought you, out of your, encourage, uh, brought you out of your discouragement and your depression. Now you say, why, why did you just shift off into that? Well, the reason I do that is because one of the best ways that we are going to possess our hope is by not just reading scripture. Now, if you're part of the refuge, you know I pound this and pound this and pound this. We have to be in the word. We have to be in the Word. We have, to be in, we have to be memorizing the Word, studying the Word, reading the Word. But it's not enough to do those things 
unless we place our full hope and our trust in the God of that word. Because the word, now, now don't, don't at me on this one either, but listen to me, this is the truth. The, the word of God is simply just words on a page. And we can memorize many words on a page. We can memorize, we could memorize Aristotle or Plato or we could any of these intellectuals and all, and we can memorize things off a page. So it doesn't make a difference so much if we memorize it off a page as we are allowing what it is that we are memorizing to become the foundation of who we are, how we think, and what we do. So, so I'm saying we need to possess our hope. Well, how do I possess my hope? I possess hope by looking into the Word of God, finding out what the God of the Word is all about, and then throwing my full weight behind all of that. If you want to possess your hope, turn off your television. Turn off your Facebook. Not right now, after we're done. Turn off your social media. Again, not right now. Turn it all off and get to the Word of God. Now you say, well, you know, I read the Word and I don't really get anything out of the Word. Listen, if you're going to walk with Christ, it's, you, you're going to need to get past the whole, I don't get it, I don't understand it thing. You're going to have to get past that. Because the days of walking without the Word of God in our lives are over. We have to, we have to get into the Word of God. We have to study. If you don't know what it is that you're reading, you find somebody. You message me, message David, Josh, April, somebody in the church. You message somebody and say, I need to know what these things are about. Because if we do not place the word of God in our heart, we are not going to be able to stand in the days that we're living in. And I want to tell you something this morning. I'm not trying to pastor a church that is not going to be ready to stand in the days that we are living in. All of my life, it's been these days are coming, these days are coming, these days are coming. But now we have entered in and we are living in those days. And we have to have the word of God. It can't be your mother's word or your father's word. You can't be off your brother's faith or your pastor's faith anymore. You have to lock in your hope in God and the word of God so that you can stand in these days that we're living in. It's the way that you possess your hope. And so my question again this morning is, where is your hope, church? Are you possessing your hope this morning? And is that hope connected to truth? I don't want to belabor this point, but it's strong on me this morning. If you are waiting for the government to take care of you, you need to cut ties with that right now because you will not be able to stand in the days that are ahead. Because our hope has to be in Jesus Christ and him crucified and him and him alone. And if it's not there, we need to repent and we need to come into that place with him. We need to dig into the word and we need to trust him. And, and this is the second thing I want to say this morning is that for the church, because it is a fact that church is not the same right now. Who knows when the church is going to be the same? I was in, I was in a meeting this week on, uh, on the, uh, the, the internet with our church of God and Cleveland, and it was kind of a worldwide Church of God thing, and, and then I was in another meeting this week, and it looks like it could be a minimum, oh, I pray God not, but it looks like it could be two months, it looks like it could be two, three, four months before we're able to get back to any normalcy, so who knows when we're going to be able to get back to any normalcy, so this is what I was talking about Wednesday night at Bible study, and I want you to encourage you to go back if you haven't watched last Wednesday's Bible study, because we, the, there are churches right now that are throwing up their hands saying, we don't even know, we can't even do anything anymore. And what I want to tell you this morning is for the church that possesses its hope, 
for the church that will look to God, he will begin to reveal new methods and new ministry. And that's point number two, is that we need to prepare for real-time harvest. We need to prepare for real-time harvest. What do I mean by real-time? I mean real-time. Because the methods that we typically use to reach out to people, they're not really on the board right now. And so how is it that we are going to bear fruit for Jesus during this time? How is it that we are going, and it's not just the church. Don't sit around and wait for the refuge, church. I'm talking to you who are watching this this morning. How are you going to bear fruit for the kingdom of God during this time right now? You say, well, I don't know. Well, it's time to seek God. It's time to seek him and say, well, we may not be able to do this thing that we do or that thing that we do, but, oh, God, you show us our eyes are on you. And I believe to the church that will say our eyes are on you. God is going to begin to reveal new methods, new ministries, new ways to reach out to people, and that there is not going to be, you know, listen to me. At the beginning of this year, I really started feeling it, and I said this, that 2020 was going to be a year of fulfillment. And, and we had some goals and some things that, that as a church we were going to set out to do in 2020. Now, there's been a little bit of a, a monkey wrench thrown into some of those plans. But I want to stand here this morning and tell you with all of my heart and with all of my resolve that I do not believe this has affected the way that God wants to bring fulfillment to his promise in 2020 in any way. It's just that we need to get on board with what he is doing. Because I believe that through this time, he's going to bring a harvest like we could not have ever expected before. And like we would not expect, because if our faith is not saying, well, we're just going to, if we're going to just say, I'm just going to sit back and ride it out and wait till we can get back to normal, we are wasting an opportunity to reach this world. We are wasting an opportunity to reach out to our communities. And we say, how do we do that? Well, there's a lot of different ways, just not the normal ways. And so what is it that God wants to reveal to us? Listen to me, church, this morning. God wants to reveal new methods. And he wants to reveal new ways and new ministries. And he's not just going to do it through me or just through the leaders. He's going to do it through you. And so you are going to begin to bear fruit for him in ways that you did not think because we're going to tap into new insights and new revelation from God. But that can only happen in a church that possesses its hope and begins to reach out to God and say, God, here we are. Our eyes are on you as you say we will do. And God is going to begin to do some pretty amazing things. In your notes there, I wrote this, and this is, you know, say, say this out loud if you're, if you're in your home or put it on a comment or do something. The harvest did not go on pause when the virus went on the attack. Now stop and let that sink in for a minute. The harvest did not go on pause when the virus went on the attack. God didn't get thrown off of his throne because of a virus that, that started in China and has now gone all the way around the world. God is fully aware of what was happening long ahead of time, and he already knows how he's going to use us to bring a harvest even during this time, whether it's through technology or whether it's through uh, uh, reaching out one-on-one -on -one or whatever it is. God is going to bring a harvest, but he's not going to do it in a church that is so stuck in those ways of doing things and so stuck in what should be and not looking to God that they can't see what it is that God is trying to do right in front of them. I believe that this, I know this is a worn out, worn out, worn out phrase in the church, but God is looking for some cutting edge ministry, some cutting edge ministry that will do things that nobody could have ever expected before. I, I got a phone call yesterday and I'm 
I won't say too much about this because I didn't have permission. But I, I got a phone call from someone yesterday whose ministry has basically been completely stopped in the midst of what's going on right now. And they called me up and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know I had this idea. And, and the person began to say, I, I'm, I'm doing this and this and this, and I'm able to do this, and, and, uh, and, and kind of not in the same way, but I'm able to continue on in some way to continue this ministry that not, we're not able to do. And I, and I hung up, and I walked out, and I told my wife, I said, this is like, this is amazing. Because instead of whining and crying and saying, oh, woe is us, what are we ever going to do? They just began to, to stop and think and say, what can I do? See, there's too, there's too much of this in the church right now. Oh, 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 God, what we cannot do. What we cannot do. We cannot do this, and we cannot do that, and we cannot do the other. And it's time as a church we stop saying what we cannot do, and we start saying, and yet this is what we can do because God has revealed it to us. The harvest did not go on pause when the virus went on the attack. We don't stop ministry because we can't do the normal. We don't stop. We press on. You know, a lot of what's happening right now, the, the, the thing at the forefront of my mind is not, is not a lot of things that are on the forefront of most everyone else's mind. What's forefront on my mind right now is how can I live stream better? Because no matter what else is going on in the world, the gospel has to go forth. And so my mind, my mind, and you can, I'm probably driving my wife crazy with this, but it's like almost every day, day to night, all day, all night, I'm thinking, what can we do? What can we do? Even up until like 15 minutes, I mean, message those who you know here today and ask them. At like 15, again, same thing last Wednesday, same thing last Sunday. Like a quarter till, five minutes before we're getting ready to go live, we're still tweaking and trying to get things better. And hopefully it's better today, and hopefully it's going to be better next week because we're continually trying to get better and better instead of saying, oh, woe is us, saying, what can we do? Because the harvest did not go on pause when the virus went on the attack. The last thing that I want to say this morning is this. And, and, and if you're in your notes, the first thing was we need to possess our hope, possess your hope. Number two was that we need to prepare for the real-time harvest. And the last one is this, is that we need to be, uh, to be about, I, don't know, I know that I'm saying this in an awkward way, but we need to be about the business of prophetic encouragement. Now, when I say that, there may be some different ideas of what I mean. I'm not talking about getting prophetic words from God from God and speaking them. Now, that's, that's definitely part of what I'm saying. But, but I, I just want you to know for this, for this message today, I'm not talking about getting a prophetic word and encouraging others with that, but I'm talking about the prophetic word that has been given to us in the Scripture. The, 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 the word of prophecy for the final days that we're living in. And, and this is really important because there's, there's something that we see when we're talking about prophecy in the Bible. And, and by prophecy, let's just say this. I'm talking about end times, end times prophecy. And we need end times prophetic encouragement right now. Now that can kind of seem like uh, a little bit of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oxymoron maybe. That, that when we read about the last days, that that's not always encouraging. Sometimes that's very discouraging. You know, if I stand up today and I said, there will be earthquakes and famines and pestilence and, and they will put you up in jail and they will martyr you for your faith and say, hey, but I want you to be encouraged. That doesn't seem like much of an encouragement, right? 
But there's some things that we see in Scripture that tells us that that actually is what this is given to us for. And so if you're in your Bibles there, I want you to turn to a couple passages. The first one is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and then the second one is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so if you can find those real quick. There's an interesting thing that we see, especially in these two passages. Because 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, both of those in these particular passages are talking about end times type situations. And so in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it, it says that there's going to be a returning of the Lord for his church. Now, I was just going to talk about this today and not read it. So if you'll bear with me, I'm going to look this up because this is a little bit out of what my plans were. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And since I wasn't planning on this, I didn't bring my glasses, so bear with me on this. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's start in verse 13. It says this. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Now look at that. I want you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. What, what I'm about to say to you is meant for those who have hope, okay? And so verse 14, it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. That's good news. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them and in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now watch this, verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, if you look in the Scripture, and this is in your notes, we are to comfort one another with the words of prophecy. We are to comfort one another with the words of prophecy. He says, look, there are people that have died in the faith, and there are people that are still alive in the faith, but I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to lose hope, because here's the deal. When Jesus comes back for us, and he is coming back for us, listen to me. I know there are people in the church today, and they're like, oh, you know, that's not true, and that's all. Listen to me. Jesus is coming back for his church. He's coming back for those who put their hope in him. He's coming back for those who put their trust in him. And he's going to take us up out of this mess that we're living in right now at some point. But we don't know when that's going to be. And so we have to live in the hope of what is to come so that we can have the strength to go on in the middle of what is. We have to have the hope of what is to come to give us strength to go through what is. He says, I want you to understand that, 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 that the day that Jesus comes for you, that he is going to come and you're going to meet him in the air. There's going to be an angel and a trumpet and a shout, and we will be raised up. The dead, those that are dead will be raised up. Those who are alive will be caught up, and we will be with him in the air. And we are to comfort one another with these words. See, church, we need to live for something bigger than the coronavirus. We need to live for something bigger than what is going on in our jobs or in our, in our health or in any of those things. That we have our hope firmly placed in the prophetic future that is ours. See, in God's view, it's not a future thing. In God's view, this is already done and taken care of. But we have not got there yet. And so we need to keep our hope placed in God. We are to comfort one another with, with these words. So if 
if you're feeling discouraged today, if you're feeling fearful today, if you're feeling anxious today about the things that are going on in the world, I want you to know this. Jesus is coming for you. Jesus said, if I go away, I will prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come back and get you that where I am, there you may be also. So if you're fearful and anxious today, put your hope in what is to come. There will be a day when he comes for you, and you won't have to worry about any of this anymore. If we live, we live for him. If we die, we die in him. But if we live or die, we live or die in Christ. No matter what happens, we are in the palm of his hand, and we cannot be taken out of the palm of his hand. We will be with him. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and let's look at a very similar concept. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Hopefully you guys are still doing all right. I'm, I'm about ready to come to a landing here. I want to start in verse 50. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Listen, stir up your hope this morning. Stir up your faith. Be encouraged this morning with the words of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. This is good news. Be encouraged this morning. We shall all be changed. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible, and if you don't know what that means, that's talking about this body, this corruptible body, this body that can be sick, this body that can be diseased, this body that can be ravished by a virus, this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal, this body that can die, will put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now somebody right there should just yell out your window at your neighbor. Just say hallelujah out your window or something. Put it in the comments. Death shall be swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But watch this. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren. Now just stop right there. Put your finger on verse 58. Watch this. He tells us what is to come. In the midst of this mortal living that we're in, in the midst of this corruptible world that we're living in, he said, lift up your eyes and understand that incorruption is going, excuse me, corruption is going to put on incorruption and that mortal will put on immortality, that, that you're going to be okay. That no matter what happens with a virus or a sickness or a job or an economy or a government or whatever happens in the world, that all of that is going to be swallowed up in victory. That's a future thing for us as we're listening today. But I want you to look at verse 58 and how the writer, the, that Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians, he says, this is how we should respond in light of the fact that these things are ahead of us. Here's how we should respond. Verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
if you're in your notes there, in light of prophetic revelation, we are to remain steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. Listen, church, this is not a time for us to step back. This is not a time for us to walk in fear or anxiety. And if you're there today, I get it. I understand it. I'm not throwing judgment. There are things that, I'll be honest with you, there are some things that I'm anxious about. You know, there, there are, I'm, I'm anxious that I didn't mention that you're supposed to give today and how you can give this morning. I'm anxious if the, the Internet's going to work when we get ready to go. I'm anxious about what the future days, but when I can put all of that aside just for a moment. Let me share this with you. Last night we were getting this all set up, and, uh, and while we were getting it set up, one of our plugs for the audio got broken. And, and as you know, this is like 10, 30, 11 o'clock last night. And so as you know, it's hard to run to Walmart because they're not even open. You can't hardly get in there now for what it, with all of their restrictions. And all of the stores are closed. And I'm literally going to my dad's at 11 o'clock last night trying to get an adapter. And then I got here this morning, and the adapter wasn't working. And Ann's running all over town. And David's running to his house. And all of these things are going on. And, and it's just like, ah, oh, what are we going to do? Because we've got it already, but we don't have the audio. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And while we, just right near, just get ready, just an idea popped in my head. Now listen to me, church. I've been thinking about these things for weeks now. And while I'm in the midst of my anxiety, just like this, an idea popped into my head. Because I didn't have the stuff that we needed to get it hooked up. And just like that, an idea popped into my head. Now, where do you think that idea came from at the last second? Did that come from me because I'm brilliant? No, I've been trying to figure this out for weeks now. And I ran upstairs, and I grabbed a couple cables, and I, it's, if, if you happen to have been in the church right now, um, it's crazy right now. We, we, try to make, we try to make this look pretty beautiful, but if you look around here right now, we've got cables strung all over and wires, and they're hanging up and hanging down and hanging over, and it, it's, it's, we just try to keep this looking good, okay? So, but everywhere else, we've got stuff run all over the place. And just in, at the last moment, boom, just the idea pops, and I start like plug, 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 and I plug it in, and guess what? It works. And then, and then so it's like, good, we're working. And we, we went and we started to get into worship this morning. I'm just sharing my heart with you for a second. Hopefully that's okay. I'm almost done. And, and I didn't get to practice with the team this morning. You, you might have noticed that. So I wasn't quite there on all of that worship today. But when we got into worship and we started worshiping this morning, all of that just went, all of that. I, I think I noticed that somebody was saying they couldn't hear me while we were doing worship today. And I'm just over there going, don't worry about it. I don't even care. Because right now in this moment, this is all that matters, is that I get my attention off of everything else and get my attention focused on God. Get my attention on who he is. Get my attention on what he is doing what he is doing in the midst of all of this. Get my attention on the fact that if all of this fell apart and we, did, we couldn't live stream today and we couldn't get out to you today, guess what? He is still coming for me. He is still going to snatch me up out of here. I'm still going to be with him. And we need to walk in that kind of encouragement this morning. And so the prophetic encouragement is this. Remember a couple weeks ago, Jesus in, in the book of John, Jesus said, I have told you these things. I have told you these things. I have told you these things. And why did he say? He said, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
And so we need prophetic encouragement in these days to know that when we come into the birth pains, because I, I do believe that what we're seeing in the world right now is the birth pains. In Luke chapter 21, and, and I mentioned this, but I just want to say it quickly, and, and I'm, I'm wrapping right now, is it says when you see all of these things happening, because there's always an earthquake, I'll give you that. There's always a famine. There's always a pestilence. There's always something somewhere. But we're seeing all of these things happening in huge ways all around the world right now. And he says, when you see these things, don't be fearful. Don't be anxious. Don't, don't, just, don't just hide. And I'm not talking about distancing because of trying to keep ourselves safe. I'm talking about running, hiding just because we're fearful. Don't do that. Don't do any of those things. He says, instead of all of that, have peace. Instead of all of that, lift up your eyes because your redemption is drawing nigh. So my final question to you this morning is where I started this morning, church. Where is your hope? Are you possessing your hope? Are you locking into the word and not just reading the word and understanding the word and memorizing the word, but are you standing on the truth of that word? Are you standing in hope? Are you standing in peace? Are you standing in joy? Because guess what? Joy in the midst of tribulation is still our promise. Oh, I need to be all dapper and sour all the time. No, you don't. Because joy, the joy of the Lord is what? It is my strength. So we have peace, joy. All of that right now in the midst of everything that's going on. In the midst of everything that's going on. So I want to pray for you this morning, church. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I, I pray for whoever's listening. I realize that there are a lot of folks from our church, but, but there are ch people from other churches and things that are going on. And, and uh, I just pray for everyone that's listening right now that in the midst of this trial, God, in the midst of um, tribulation, in the midst of the virus, in the midst of uncertainty, God, that you would raise up a radical, faith-filled, strong, powerful, unflinching, immovable, steadfast body that will not be moved by anything except their hope and their faith and their trust in you. Lord, let us not. Lord, as I was saying earlier, Lord, I, I just... I know that some will disagree with this, but I feel the need this morning to just repent on behalf of the church, Father God, for how we have so connected our faith. We've so connected our faith to the government and in some streams to the Republicans and to the conservatives and some other streams to the Democrats and to the liberals. And we have made the government our God. And we would never say that out loud, and we would not say that we're doing that. But in effect, in every way that we act, speak, and, and we, the way that we operate, we say by our actions that we've placed our hope in other things other than you. And I ask you to forgive us of that this morning. I ask you, God, that you would forgive us and you would turn your church back to you. Because I will probably repeat this every week. 
Lord, that your word says that if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves and pray, seek your face and turn from our wicked ways. To connect ourselves to the government is a wicked way. It's not that we're disengaged and we don't care and we don't vote and we don't participate. But Lord, we've placed our hope there. And I ask you to forgive us. I ask you to heal us. I ask you to heal our land. God, for those that are battling this morning with fear and anxiety, and I know it's real, I'm throwing no judgments, but there is a hope that is greater than every fear. There's a faith that is greater than every anxiety. And I just pray that you would stir that faith. Lord, I don't ask that you would give more faith because you've said you've given us all a measure of faith. So Lord, I'm not asking for more faith. I'm just asking you to stir up the faith that is in us. Move by your Holy Spirit to cause us to stir up our own faith. That we would possess our hope. And we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm